Hello, I am Dr. Pamela Larde, and this is The Joy Whisperer, where we explore the practice and science of joy as a catalyst for resilience, relationships, restoration, and resistance. Today, we are going to be looking at the levels of self-love from surviving to thriving. Too often, we believe that self-love is just either you have it or you don't. What I want to talk to you about today is the possibility that self-love has levels. So our three truths for today is number one, there are levels to self-love and we're going to look at what those levels are. Number two, we cannot receive more love than what we make room for. And number three, being with ourselves is a key to self-love. So get ready, grab a friend, take notes, and let's get started. STEM is the discipline of hard numbers. Precise, no margin for error. Dare to forget that. Dare to have fun with it. Get weird with it. Dare to get messy or just mess it up. Dare to program something internet breaking, record breaking. Dare to blow their minds. Dare to try, dare to fail. Dare to keep daring. Dare to learn the difference between organic, sedimentary, and non-foliated metamorphic rock. Get outside, find those rocks. Dare to be homeroom famous, a high school fable. Dare to send those old STEM theories flying past the neighbor's house into outer space. And for the love of STEM, dare bigger. Dare to code, dare to invent, dare to explore, dare to STEM. Check out She Can STEM to get started. Maybe you can make retirement happen. After all, you made home ownership happen. Homeschooling yourself on loans, beefing up your credit score. So I'm pre-approved. You were like, yes! Sorry. Color coding listings, ticking boxes, and flushing every toilet in a 20-mile radius. Home sweet home. You aced house hunting. Now get the tips you need to get on track at aceyourretirement.org an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Welcome back to the Joy Whisperer. Now, today's theory to live by is a really good one because it lays the foundation, really, for everything we're going to be talking about today. So today's theory is the social mentality theory of self-compassion and self-reassurance. And this is by Hermanto and Zuroff. 
And I'm going to take a minute to just break this down for you, just so we can understand how it's connected to this concept of self-love. So what Hermanto and Zura found is that the combination of us caring for ourselves, us seeking care for ourselves with us seeking care for others or being willing to care for others, that combination together really leads to the highest levels of self-reassurance and self-compassion. On the other hand, when we do not spend any time or not a lot of time taking care of ourselves or seeking that self-care, but we take care of other people, it actually results in less self-compassion and reassurance for ourselves. So it's really interesting because it's this idea of ourselves in relation to others. So when we are more focused on taking care of others than we are on in taking care of ourselves, it actually results in a lack of self-reassurance and self-compassion. So this is a reminder for us to not only be concerned about the well-being and the care of others. That's a really important piece of this because without that, we also are going to lack the compassion we need. But it's also important that we take the time to seek out, actively seek out care for ourselves. And as we do this, we continue to elevate our own self-reassurance and our own self-compassion. Did you know that self-love is not just an either-or concept? When we come back, I'm going to tell you about the levels of self-love. She took a stand by simply sitting still. In celebration of Black History Month and those who paved the way, embrace our story, her story, his story. Black History Month. Now make your story. There are levels to self-love. Now, believe it or not, it's not just about whether or not you love yourself, but that there are levels that really reflect the situation, the environment, your mindset, and where you are. So let's talk about those four levels. Level number one is survivalist love. Now, this is the type of love, the self-love that we may have when we are at some of the most dire, desperate um, points in our lives. We may be in a bad relationship. We might have a really toxic job. Our home situation may not be great. We may not love where we are educationally. And in our minds, we are in survival mode. We are trying to figure out how to get from where I am today to the next level. And in doing that, it takes a level of self-love that really kind of compels us to put our all into that survival so when we see people who may not look their best or may not be in the best kind of situation, but they are in the fight for their life, that fight for their life is what comes first, is what is first and foremost important to them. So they are in a survivalist love phase of their life. The second one is superficial love. So this is the kind of love that we might exude when we are really internally struggling 
with loving ourselves. And so the self-talk that tends to happen within that says, you know, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not bold enough, you don't speak up enough, all of those voices that we hear are, we have to combat those. We have to actively speak the opposite, actively do the opposite, opposite so that we can actively believe the opposite. And in doing that, we may not always believe our counter to those inner voices until we start doing it for some time. So this idea of superficial love means that I am going to do what I need to do to at least fool myself into believing that just maybe I really do love myself by speaking and going through the motions and acting out what it means to love myself. I might not be there yet, but I'm doing everything in my power to get there. So that's the superficial love. The romantic love is really, if we think about it in terms of, you know, romantic relationships, it's that honeymoon phase. It's that I love myself so much phase because I see the benefits of the work that I've done. So it's this idea that I have fallen in love with the hard results of my, or the results of my hard work. So maybe I have been working out for the past six months and now I can fit into those jeans. Maybe it's been that I've been working really hard at this degree and I got it and now I've got the job of my dreams. So we fall in love with our lives and we fall in love with ourselves because we see the fruits of our labor that are finally coming to the light. And it is this sense of renewal. It is this sense of accomplishment. And yes, I've finally done it. And then the last one is infinite love. Now, infinite love is the deepest and most enduring of the other three types of self-love. And this is because it is not dependent on necessarily what is going on around us or what our situation is, but it is based on an internal love that we have for ourselves that we have managed to grow through some of the most challenging times that we've had. So we've grown through them and we've been able to grow our self-love through all of those different situations. So what infinite love really is, it's, it's a, it represents the mastering of that survivalist love, of the superficial love, of the romantic love. And so we've mastered all of those. And then we've also moved and advanced to a whole other level where that love, that internal love that, that we've grown becomes our norm. It really becomes the thing that um, drives us into the directions that we want to go in life because we now understand that no matter what the situation is, no matter how challenging life comes for me, I know that I have what it takes within me to care for and nurture myself. I have what it takes in order to push through and to find the joy that exists within me through the good, the bad, the ugly, and all of that. And not only am I able to do that, but I'm also able to be influential to others so that they can find the strength to do the same for themselves. Now, self-love is not an absolute concept. It is not an either or, you love yourself or you don't love yourself. But in this day and age, we tend to look at behaviors and judge whether or not somebody actually indeed loves themselves. And what I want us to take some time to really think about is the idea that love and self-love manifests itself in very different ways depending on what's going on in our lives. So let's take Derek and Denea Jackson, for example. 
the two of them did a live on social media last year to really speak about Derek's infidelity as a relationship coach and how his wife, Denea, responded to that infidelity. And so they spoke of the forgiveness that they underwent within the context of their marriage. Now, Denea showed up with a bonnet, very little makeup, and plain clothes. Derek Jackson is known as this handsome sweetheart who gives relationship advice and has women throwing themselves at their feet. So many people were surprised that Denea would show up not looking like a TV star, but just sort of looking like a regular person. And because of that, there were a lot of accusations that she did not have self-love, that she was even being held hostage, jokingly. And so this was all based on the way that she looked. On the other hand, there was very little criticism or question about whether or not Derek Jackson, in fact, loved himself. And it's because he showed up with a lot of confidence and um, assertiveness, and Denea showed up just really low-key. So what's interesting about that is that if we were to dig into their lives, we might actually find that the opposite of what everybody assumed is the case, that perhaps Derek Jackson is lacking in self-love, whereas Denea, you know, has a high level of self-love. But we never really know that, and the part of the reason is because we are looking at self-love as an either-or concept. If we remember the levels of self-love, the survivalist level, the superficial level, the romantic level, and the infinite level, we might be able to better understand why we saw the different kinds of behaviors that we saw um, in the two, um, in that couple, as well as other scenarios that we've seen show up on the internet. You know, another example is Will and Jada. Um, when they had the red table talk in which Jada explained to Will um, and the, the world um, uh, her relationship with another man. And the way that Will looked in that scene, and then that picture is all over the place, um, it, it, there were questions about whether or not Will actually loves himself. Well, upon reading his book, there was, I, I could see that there was definitely an abundance of self-love and that he was also doing some survivalist um, love as well at the same time behind the scenes. And so what is really going on in the situation is going to help you personally as you go through your stuff It'll help you understand what kind of self-love is best manifest in that particular phase of your life. So if we go back to Denea and the bonnet she was wearing and the lack of makeup she was wearing, if indeed, if we were to say, you know what, Denea was going through a phase of survivalist love, and this is just pure assumption. If she was going through a phase of survivalist love, the last thing on her mind is to show up looking like one of the housewives of Atlanta. The thing on her mind is, what am I going to do to take care of me on the inside and me from a spiritual standpoint? And so that might mean that I could care less about what I look like on the outside. Now, for many, that translates to, I don't love myself. If you're not taking care of yourself on the outside, for many people that translates to, I don't care about myself that much. And so I want to challenge us to think a little bit more deeply about how complex self-love can actually be. If you're in a place where you are fighting internally for your survival to stay above water and to really be able to fight for your life, then there are other things that just may fall to the wayside. 
Now, it doesn't mean that we don't want to pay attention to standard warning signs that, you know, if we fall into a state of, of truly being disheveled and really、um, falling into ill health, then yes, we, we definitely want to be concerned about that. But I want us to also be careful about placing judgment when we don't fully understand a situation. So remember that self love is not either or, it just has a way of manifesting itself depending on your situation. Did you get the tea? The tea is that joy is power, and today's power gear is a mug. Yes, it is a mug where you can get your tea anywhere you are. Go to thejoywhisperer.org and check out the amazing collection of cups and mugs and water bottles、uh, so that you can be sure to take that joy wherever you go. You can go to thejoywhisperer.org, visit the store there. And if you are, if your preference, it doesn't matter if it is tea, if it's wine, if it's water, if it's soda, take it with you wherever you go and make sure that you manifest that joy everywhere. So go ahead and check it out. And remember, joy is power, and the power is in the mug. Black excellence is still at an all time high. Back with me is Angela Rye, Macaulay Sellers, April Ryan. And Angel Gillum to talk about it. Don, we're not new to this. We're true to this. True to what? To overcoming and doing the dang thing. Can't argue with that. Miss USA, Miss Team USA, Miss America, and Miss Universe. We're all black women. Mahershala, Ruth Carter, Hannah Beachler, and Peter Ramsey made history at the Oscars. And Spike finally got his. The American Medical Association elected a black woman. Dr. Patricia Harris. Coco Golf broke new ground on the tennis court at just 15. Ava's still Avang. Will's still Willin'. Issa's still Issa'in. And everyone is still working to make our ancestors proud. Happy Black History Month! An amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome.、Uh, it allows structure and discipline, and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring. Real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more.
Valentine's Day. And for those of us who are big lovers, <laughs> um, this is a really good truth for our uh, hopeless romantics out there. So truth number two is that we cannot give or receive more love than we make room for. And this is a big one because this applies to both the people who are trying to pour love out into the lives of others and those who are um, tasked to receive uh, the love from others. And, and so this really comes from the inspiration behind this one is T.D. Jakes. And I was watching one of his sermons and a woman asked a question. And what she wanted to know was, I have been trying to love my mother and she will not reciprocate. I do whatever I can. I give my time. I just desperately want my mother to love me, but she will not. And what T.D. Jakes then interjected to um, point out was that that is because your mother is a 10-pint lover. She has the capacity to receive and maybe to even give 10 pints worth of love, whereas you are a 10-gallon lover. And so you have uh, the capacity of 10 gallons worth of love to give and to receive. And that was just mind-blowing, you know, to myself, to others who are watching with me, to the lady who asked him the question. And what that really meant was that often those of us who are 10-gallon lovers, we try to pour all of the abundance of our love into somebody's 10-pint cup who cannot handle the abundance of love that we have to give. It doesn't make one better than the other. It doesn't mean that the 10-pinter lover is cold-hearted and undeserving of love. Um, what it in fact means is that they have not widened their capacity for greater love. And a lot of times that's out of fear, self-defense. They might be in a survivalist love stage in their life. And because of that, they are literally unable to receive the love that other people want to pour into them. And in the same measure, they are unable to give the level of love that the people in their lives might require. So in this case with the daughter and the mother, the daughter being a 10-gallon lover has a hard time with receiving just the 10 pints that her mother is able to offer. And so what does this mean in terms of our relationships and the love we give and the love that we receive? I think it's important for us to pay close attention to the capacity of love that we've created in our own lives. Am I open to receiving love from people who want to pour lo more love onto me than I may be able to handle? And if that's the case, how can I become more self-aware and in determining whether or not this is the kind of love that I want to be open to receiving. And if not, how do I create boundaries and communicate my needs to whoever it is that I'm engaging with? And the same, you know, from the same standpoint, how do you then decide how to pour out love and at, uh, what measure of love do you want to pour out to the people that are in your life? And I think it's important to pay attention to how people are receiving what you are giving. If you notice that people are shutting down and if you notice that people are disappearing and kind of taking steps backward, uh, it might be an indication that they are overwhelmed and don't know how to handle what you're offering. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or with what you are offering. It just may mean that that might not be a match 
in terms of the love and the receiving of love um, exchange that, that would be happening here. And this is not just for romantic relationships. I want you to think about this in terms of your family life, um, your relationships um, with siblings, with your children, with your parents, and even in the workplace. While in the workplace we don't necessarily talk about love in the romantic sense, um, we can still think about this from the standpoint of contributions and what you know the give and take dynamic might look like in the workplace. If somebody is offering a wealth of compliments for the work that you're doing and you have not expanded the capacity to receive it and you struggle to receive it, that might be an area to pay attention to and to say, you know what, how can I get better at receiving compliments and how can I get better at giving compliments? The most important thing to remember here is that we cannot give or receive more love than we've made capacity for. She took a stand by simply sitting still. In celebration of Black History Month and those who paved the way, embrace our story, her story, his story. Black History Month. Now make your story. Hmm, maybe you can make retirement happen. After all, you made home ownership happen. Homeschooling yourself on loans, beefing up your credit score. So I'm pre-approved. You were like, yes, sorry. Color coding listings, ticking boxes, and flushing every toilet in a 20 mile radius. Home sweet home. You aced house hunter. Now get the tips you need to get on track at aceyourretirement.org. Jason, let's go see your room. What do you think? We kept it a little spare, so you can decorate it how you like. Dinner! Hello? Excellent. Soccer is fun. Yeah, I saw you guys out there. We're the family. We're the family. never forget that message uh, by T.D. Jakes on that particular day. And as a result, I've had many conversations, a few friends of mine and myself got together to just kind of mull over this idea of 10 gallon versus 10 pint love. And after those conversations, I came up with a concept called the 10 gallon challenge. And it's really this idea of how do we increase our capacity for love? 
And how appropriate as we're coming off the heels of Valentine's Day to really think about our capacity for love, what we give, what we're willing to receive, and really what we're able to receive. So the 10-gallon challenge is really a challenge to look at where you are right now in your ability to, let's say, first of all, receive love. Uh, Are there situations in which you are overwhelmed by the level of giving and love that's being poured your way? And if that's the case, it's a really great opportunity to investigate perhaps why. Um, You know, what's going on there and what may cause the overwhelm. It could be that, you know, perhaps what the person is offering just simply isn't for you. And that's absolutely okay. But if it turns out that it is just out of rooted in something like fear or some other defense mechanism to protect yourself based on something that's happened in the past, you might want to evaluate whether or not whatever's happening today in fact mirrors the past or if it is truly a safer situation. So one of the things that I did to increase my own capacity for love is I paid attention to those things that gave me life, to the things that really seemed to elevate my spirit, bring forth my joy, and I found ways to allow myself to say yes to more of those things. So I've talked about how travel has done that for me, but also um, treating myself to meals, restaurants, to nights with friends, to long conversations with people who are thinkers like myself. Those are the kinds of things that give me, you know, life and enable me to say yes and take in more and more of you know that joy. Now, it may not always look at look like love in the romantic sense, but just having a standing meeting for example with a friend, you know, once a month meeting up for dinner. I have a friend, a couple of friends for which I do that. We meet up once a month for dinner and catch up and just kind of nerd out thinking about all the things and discussing all the things that we've been pondering the prior month. And so for me, that is one way that I have sort of trained myself to expand my capacity for love. Because again, that idea of what you do for yourself and what you allow for yourself is really that first stage of love, um, you know, enabling yourself to um, enjoy and receive without guilt, without guilt, um, different forms of enjoyment. Now, there is a lot of um, guilt. I've had conversations, especially with men, around exuding joy and what that looks like and what that feels like. And I have been surprised to hear several different men express guilt over really taking in and receiving joy. And it's interesting because in the same sense, I wonder how that translates into receiving joy from other people. I believe that when you limit the amount of joy that you enjoy in your life and the way that you express your joy in your life, when you limit that, you're also limiting the way love enters your life. And so the more that you open yourself up to these joyful experiences, to joyful expression, the more you open yourself up and the more you increase your capacity to not only give love, but to also receive love. 
And a lot of people don't really think about the connection between the two. So when people say, you know, you're going out of town and you're traveling and you're going to sit in restaurants and having glasses of wine by yourself, I mean, that's selfish and that's so self-absorbing. And in some ways, yes, absolutely it is. And guess what that self-absorbing does? It opens you up to opportunities to experience love and to experience joy with other people. Because if we haven't figured out how to do that with ourselves, we are going to struggle immensely when it comes to doing that with other people. So I will say that I am probably one of the most enjoyable people to be around, if I do say so myself, because I have figured out how to enjoy time with myself. So you increase your capacity for love. You, you can get to that 10 gallons when you start to pour that 10 gallons into yourself. an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I gonna get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Hmm, maybe you can make retirement happen. After all, you made home ownership happen. Homeschooling yourself on loans, beefing up your credit score. So I'm pre-approved. You were like, yes! Sorry. Color coding listings, ticking boxes, and flushing every toilet in a 20-mile radius. Home sweet home. You aced house hunting. Now get the tips you need to get on track at aceyourretirement.org. I don't remember how it started. Our back and forth. Victory. Fumble. Repeat. It always came back. <laughs> You probably don't remember what you told me. That was perfect. But I heard every word. Nice. So this week's whisper in my ear is a question that I think is a really important one. So it comes to me from social media. And the question is, how do I manage a home with kids without destroying my career? It's a very interesting question. And one of the first things I will say, and particularly if you're a single parent, this is gonna be especially important, but not to do it alone. And I know that that sounds like, well, I'm a single parent, of course I have to do it alone, but you don't have to do it alone. 
there are some strategies and some really creative solutions that you can put into place to make sure that you are parenting and taking care of your children the way that they need to be taken care of as well as nurturing your career. So one of the best things that I've ever done was I did a co-parenting situation for years and there were several different parents involved in this um, but basically I had a roommate who had children as well and we created a situation where we basically were co-parenting and helping each other out and it's such a great modern day solution because it is and, and of course it depends on how you all work out your schedules and the understanding with your kids but it's one of those situations where you can pick each other's kids up from daycare, make sure dinner is ready when they get home or have breakfast ready during the day, attend practices, and the two of you are tag teaming to make sure that everything gets done so that when there are times when you have to work late or work harder or maybe even not go straight home but do some of the things that I do, go to a restaurant and sit and work, you have another parent that's there to sort of tag team with you to get the job done. So first and foremost, I will say, do not do it alone. Now, of course, you can't just bring anybody into the picture. You wanna be careful about who you partner with, and it doesn't mean that it's always going to work out perfectly. There's definitely going to be a need for stellar communication, uh, for trust, and for shared values. And you wanna make sure that the two of you have, the shared values is probably one of the most important that you wanna establish on the onset. Now, in at least two of the cases, I think I've done this with three different parents, I already knew the family and we had conversations and we already kind of had an understanding of what we believed in and, and how we wanted to raise our kids. So that was fairly easy. And then there was one case in which I moved in a mother and two children because I wanted to help them out, but we also ended up sort of collaborating in, in co-parenting um, during the time that she was there. Now, for some people that might be a really scary thought, just the thought of bringing in a stranger. Yes, you absolutely wanna be very careful about that. And fortunately, in my situation, it turned out very well. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, and another thing is, even if the other person that, let's say you move somebody into your home or you you know collaborate with somebody who helps you with your kids, um, it, you, you want them, they don't have to have kids. You know, it could be somebody who is just very much interested in helping you out and maybe for the cost of having a room in your house, you know. So there's a lot of really creative ways to do that. And then nowadays, there, there are so many different services that are out there and available to assist, um, of course, like, um, you know, just different childcare websites and apps and things like that. So that's one way. And I think what, what is even more important and probably the the first and foremost thing to, to think about is your mindset around this. And what's most important about the mindset is that you have a mindset that says there is a solution for everything. And I think that's one of the things that holds most people back is when they think about the barriers and they think about what they can't do and what's what's you know challenging and why your kid has um, a situation that might make it impossible for you to focus on your career. And while it may be very well true that there are some difficulties and that there are some challenges, I want you to start with a mindset 
that says that there is a solution for everything. Because what that does first and foremost is it gets you thinking about the possibilities as opposed to the barriers. So start with that and then start thinking about how you are going to create solutions for each of the things that, that come along. So remember, don't do it alone. If you can, get somebody who can co-parent with you, preferably not in a romantic situation, unless that just happens to be the case for you, but find out, think unconventionally, and find out how you can bring your tribe together to help you with the parenting and with the building of your career. And more Joy Whisperer on the way. talk about it is Bacali Sanders, April Ryan, Ramon Sanders, and Angela Watt. Angela, all-time high. Of course it's at an all-time high. Black folks consistently go high. Give me some examples. Dawn, we don't have enough time. Serena Williams won the Australian Open. Wow, she was eight weeks pregnant. And don't forget, black women saved Alabama. 98%. At Uber, shut off the boat. We got Issa, Ava, Lena, Oprah, and so many more. We got some black man magic too. Dapper Dan, a trailblazer in fashion, officially partnered with Gucci and opened up a Gucci store in Harlem. Rich Dennis, the brothers sold Shea Moisture, then made sure they established a gun to support black women, then bought Essence Magazine, making it 100% black owned again. Happy Black Issue Ralph. Thank you. Thank you. If you need to do something to feel okay to drive, you're not okay to drive. Don't drive buzzed. An amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process and most importantly you have instructors that bring real-life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. It was just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. ourselves is a key to self-love. 
Now I have to integrate an amazing quote from the late great Bill Hooks, who was an author and activist that just passed away in 2021. She says, knowing how to be solitary is central to the art of loving. When we can be alone, we can be with others without using them as a means of escape. So powerful. And, and that is one of the things that I really want to drive home with this truth number three, this art of being alone. And one of the things that she says in this quote is this idea that we are, we can be with, uh, with others without using them as a form of escape. And what that says inherently is that sometimes we don't want to be with ourselves because of the fact that we want to escape from the reality of ourselves. But let's just take a moment to think about what it means to be with ourselves, what this idea of solitary time means and what the value of that actually is. I have to say that I've learned the value of that, not necessarily by choice, but really because life circumstances and really my unwillingness to just settle to, you know, for being in any kind of situation has caused me to really Um, embrace solitary time. So in cases, for example, in which I have opportunities to forage friendships and go hang out with, you know, girls who are fun and, and like to have a good time, I've had to make some really hard decisions to say, you know what, this is not my crew. This is really not who I want to be around. And so I have had to make choices to say, nope, I'm going to go ahead and spend time with myself. And that wasn't, like I said, always by an easy choice, but it was really as a way of being, you know, true to myself and having integrity around my values. Um, There have been times where I have worked really hard for a dream and I don't necessarily have people around me who understand the, the work that I have to do and the sacrifices I have to make for that dream. And so I've had to make decisions to just go it alone. Um, and even when I don't get to make the decision and I am really in a place of isolation, I remember my desert phase in my life was in college when all of my classmates would go away for the summer. And I lived in a, a college town. So that college was a ghost town in the summer. And it would pretty much just be me and my son. And I remember really difficult days and nights where I felt helplessly alone and had to deal with the emotions around that and the strategy for how am I going to get through today? I have nobody to talk to, nobody to bond with, nobody to connect with, but how am I going to get through today? And that became the catalyst for my ability to go through life when I needed to on my own and to actually embrace those moments of solidarity. I had no idea the value or the benefit and what that was going to do for me later in my life. I hated it at the time, but once I started to understand, you know, in in later phases of my life, if we fast forward to when I was in my thirties and I went through my divorce and I had to relocate to an entirely new town and figure things out on my own, Um, It was at that point in my life when I started to realize this alone time is actually quite powerful. It's the equivalent of me kind of going into the lab and doing the work and building the things. And so that when I come out, 
I have this this empire that's in the process of being built or that has been created. And so that alone time has been really instrumental in my ability to be creative, to be innovative, to go deep into myself, to reflect, and to really think about what are the things you need to do to build yourself um, internally from the standpoint of who I am as a person, but also externally in terms of how am I going to build my life? How am I going to build my living situation? How am I going to build myself as a parent? How am I going to build my children? How am I going to build my business and my career? And these are the things that that alone time um, is what allows you to do these kinds of things and to plan and to strategize. So valuing that time is really another way for valuing yourself. Why we sometimes fear being alone? I found that we are fearful of being alone because it forces us to face ourselves. It gets really quiet and often the only thing that we see is the reflection of ourselves in those quiet moments. Now this can be especially hard when we don't even like ourselves. So if you find yourself struggling to be alone, that might be the first place to start. Think about whether or not you like yourself. And some people can answer that question very quickly. Some people will say, no, I do not like myself. Um, others may say that they like themselves because they know that you're supposed to like yourself. And others can genuinely say, yes, I like myself. Not only do I like myself, but I love myself. And I'll say that that has been the case for me off and on during various phases of my life. As a child, I had no problem with self-love. It was one of those things that was ingrained in me from my early years. But as I stepped into adulthood and started facing some really adult challenges, I started to question my self-worth. As I started to enter into some relationships that weren't necessarily healthy, not just romantic relationships, but also friendships, I started to question my worth. And as I stepped even deeper into adulthood and started experiencing some challenges like divorce and what do you do with co-parenting and um, being in a new city and all of those things, I also had lots of opportunities during that time to question my worth. But at some point, I had to realize that I am the only one who can determine whether or not I love myself, whether or not I have worth, and I have to figure it out deep within. So there is this theory by Ryan and Desi, and it's called self-determination theory. And one of the things I love about this is because what they basically say from the beginning is that we are born with motivation. And whether or not we know it from the early years of our lives, we are born with it. We are born with a need to take care of ourselves. And so that self-love that I talk about, inherently, we know that we need to do whatever it takes to care for and nurture ourselves. As we get older, like I talked about, my childhood nurtured it, but everybody's childhood does not. So in childhood, depending on whether or not your psychological needs were cared for and whether or not you were able to experience love from the outside, it highly um, connects to the ways that we love ourselves on the inside. So the world, the external world and the environment strongly influences our ability to maintain that motivation that we were born with. So 
One of the things that I like to tell people when we are thinking about self-love and how that connects to motivation is when we were born, if we were born with the motivation, what are some of those things that sort of wore that down for us to the point where we started to not care for ourselves, where we started to not believe in ourselves? And looking at those things as an adult, do we have those, those measures in place to make sure that we do have the right environment, that we are among the right people that can help nurture us on the outside to encourage us to nurture ourselves on the inside? Now, we do have agency, and this is one of the things that I, I came to realize. I'm the one who chooses whether or not I love and care for myself. But... The environment that you are in is going to be a strong indicator of how well you can maintain that self-love. So while you want to start from yourself, and that's great, you want to make sure that the maintenance is going to be done by putting yourself in an environment that's maintenance-friendly. So if you're loving yourself and you're taking care of yourself and doing all the right things, and next thing you know, you are fighting to maintain that self-love for yourself because of the people that you're around, because of the environment that you're in. It is up to you to move yourself into an environment that allows you to keep that self-love momentum going. So that is one of the biggest things that I want us to think about when it comes to how we feel about being alone. Our alone time is essential and it's what it's it's how we started and it's the thing that you know we were born with the motivation but now when we think about our alone time are we able to maintain that motivation and then step out into the world and find ourselves an environment that's going to help keep that going. How do you go about finding your joy? I find my joy by making other people happy and seeing them smile makes me smile. So technically by seeing other people joyful. Black Excellence is an all-time high. With me to talk about it is Bacardi Sanders, April Ryan, Ramon Sanders, and Angela Rock. Angela, all-time high. Of course it's at an all-time high. Black folks consistently go high. Give me some examples. John, we don't have enough time. Serena Williams won the Australian Open. Wow, she was eight weeks pregnant. And don't forget, black women saved Alabama. 98%. And Uber shut off the boat. We got Issa, Ava, Lena, Oprah, and so many more. We got some black man magic too. Dapper Dan, a trailblazer in fashion, officially partnered with Gucci and opened up a Gucci store in Harlem. Rich Dennis, the brothers sold Shea Moisture, then made sure they established a gun to support black women, then bought Essence Magazine, making it 100% black owned again. Happy Black Issue Ralph. Thank you. Thank you. So this week's gift to myself is a massage. And I made it really simple. I made it kind of sneaky. 
But uh, part of my life is dance. My daughter is a dancer, and so every night of the week, she has dance practice, and I sit in the parking lot with the rest of the parents. We sit in our cars, we work on our stuff, we go to sleep, whatever it is we do while the kids are at practice. So this particular week, I decided to run across the street. Well, actually, it's not quite across the street, but it's close enough, and I went to the mall, and many of us have seen, you know, the massage booths that might be in the middle of the mall. Um, some of the malls also have a corresponding actual store where you can go get a massage. And what's so great about that is you can just go impromptu. So it's not necessarily like a spa or a salon, which obviously for many people would be preferred. It actually allows for on-the-spot appointments. So what I did was I went on, drove over to the mall, and walked on over and got my massage and I had a choice you know they, they charge in 10 minute increments so I went ahead and got a 30 minute and I will tell you because I carry a lot of my stress in my shoulders and upper back that is exactly where I asked them to focus and it was absolutely great and so these are one of the things that I, I do for myself quite some, you know, frequently, whenever I feel a little tension coming on, when I feel that, you know what, you've been a little bit more stressed than usual, go ahead and get that massage. And it's reasonably priced, so that makes it all the more better. One of the things that I found out about myself is that when I do get stressed and I feel that tension in my shoulders and I ignore it, it only gets worse. In fact, it's gotten bad enough to where I haven't been able to walk. It's debilitating. And so I try to stay on top of that and be proactive about my well-being because if I don't, I'm definitely going to pay for it. So I call it my sneaky little trip to the mall to get a massage. So and only because it's so convenient and it's so easy to just go do it. So think about that. Consider what is your easiest way to go grab some quick self-care for yourself in these little windows of opportunity that may show up. And the key is to pay attention to those windows of opportunity, to know that if there is an opportunity for me to go do this, I'm gonna make sure I go get it done for the purpose of caring for myself. Again, when we have the mindset that says I can't and it's too difficult or this or that may happen, then we may never step out and do what needs to be done. But when we have a mindset that says, you know what? I'm gonna find a way and I'm gonna make it happen. You are all the more likely to do what it takes to care for yourself. So the point of it all, self-love is multidimensional. It doesn't have one face to it. It's not either or. And yes, self-love may involve getting massages and doing spa days, but that's not all that self-love is. Depending on where we are in our journey, self-love may look very different from one person to another. For example, if you're in survivalist love, Spa days might not even be in the equation. If you are just trying to survive, you're gonna do whatever it is you need to do to love for and care for yourself. So let's broaden our understanding of what self-love is so that we can become better at loving ourselves appropriately as the time presents itself. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Joy Whisperer. To join the conversation, visit us on social media. Tune in on SSN TV on Roku every Thursday at noon and on the Sensation Station Network Facebook page at 3 p.m. on Fridays. Remember, 
Joy is the best energy source for your relationships, your restoration, your resilience, and your resistance.